Welcome to Happy Times and Places, in which I, Toby Haydoke, try to accentuate the positive when watching an episode of Doctor Who, and I have a special guest who has selected this episode who has a favourite thing about it, and I have to guess what that is. Hello, I am Ian McLachlan, and I was delighted when I found the Dalek Master Plan was still available to talk about. Ho, 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 it's Christmas, except it's not, <laughs> whenever you're listening to this. If you're a non-patron, um, you definitely won't. Well, I don't think you'll be listening to this at Christmas time. I hope not, because that means you'll have had to wait a year for it. Patrons definitely won't. I'd planned to record this around Christmas time. I started my quest for the Daleks master plan uh, in the build up to Christmas. But I record this on the 6th of January, so I missed out on being festive, but it's sort of appropriate because I'm doing Doctor Who's only Christmas special of the classic era. In the first year since Doctor Who came back, that looks like at the time of recording we're not going to have a festive season special, so we've we've already lost the Christmas special. Well, I say lost, um, uh, but gained the new year special um uh, but but it looks like this year we're we're not going to have uh, uh, any festive special at all because at the time of recording doctor is going to be celebrating uh, the bbc centenary and then not coming back until it celebrates its own 60th birthday so um i suppose appropriate then that um uh well no not really it's not appropriate i'm doing this now i'm trying to make sense of the fact that um i didn't uh, i, I I, my my timetable didn't work out as I thought. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's the Feast of Stephen. It's a funny old thing. I'm not sure it's funny in the way that it intended. Let's see if I enjoy it. Um, let's talk. Let's look. Let's talk through the Feast of Stephen. I am watching it on the Loose Cannon Reconstruction, which you can find in various dark corners of the universe. Um, or you can just listen along as I talk to the pictures of the reconstruction of this lost episode, which I'm going to press play on in three, two, one. Uh, so this this always came with a, a, a this this I read about in a Doctor Who a celebration as this was the first episode of Doctor Who to be destroyed by the BBC, and it almost made it feel feel quite personal. <laughs> um, uh, and it turns out it pr probably was, um, although uh, Gavin Rymill has just done a podcast about whether it was likely to be recorded or come back or whatever. Because for a while it was it was suggested this was never even struck a print of this for BBC Enterprises to sell abroad. So therefore it will never come back. And of course, like many things that were stated once somewhere, people, some people have read that and gone, well, I don't need to look at that any further. It's a great sounding thing. Let uh, let that that's that's it then. I think people have I think this people have since looked into it and gone. It may not be as simple as that. Um, I'm inclined to think it's extremely unlikely the feast of Stephen will ever come back. But I am but I'm not going to put it out of uh, out of the realms of possibility. Partially because I haven't listened to Gav's podcast yet. And partially because I've written a couple of things about um, I've read a couple of th things and had a, had a couple of discussions about the idea that um, 
a viewing print must have been struck of this in order for it to be okayed because you know the BBC hierarchy wouldn't be watching on Christmas Day and making notes and all that sort of thing so anyway there are various reasons um, but yeah it's the only Doctor Who Christmas special of the classic era there's a funny cast to it so Norman Mitchell playing one of these policemen is one of those brilliant sort of character comedy actors who appeared in movies and all sorts but also I believe he used to just hang around the BBC bar and sort of go anything, anything going and, uh, and, and and not just the BBC films as well and was often a day player on movies he's got that one of those great sort of character faces and seemed to not bother whether he had one line or you know a, a, a major supporting part or whatever and, and was just sort of always in work he was the father of Christopher Mitchell who was uh, in It Ain't Our Fop Mum and I think they died within a very short time of each other I think Christopher sadly predeceased his father um, um, but yeah Norman Mitchell um, you know as I say who did m movies is, is, is one of the they had this idea didn't they of being very fourth wall breaky and uh, having the cast of Zed Cars in this and I believe David Rose the producer of Zed Cars went not on your Nelly um, I believe in the book don't they um don't they get given uh, the surnames of the actors? So Constable Blessed, which I don't really buy. I think, that, I think they should have given. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd give them the the, uh, the the surnames of the of the characters uh, from from Zed Cars. You know, uh, Fancy Smith and Weir, uh, Fancy Smith, Jock Weir, etc., etc. Anyway, most of those um, Zed Cars actors did appear in uh, Doctor Who eventually Stratford Johns Brian Blessed Frank Windsor Joseph Brady who played Jock Weir never did Jeremy Kemp never did uh, but uh, Jimmy Ellis did um, so Z Zed Cars Zed Cars and Doctor Who were eventually kind of intertwined but not at this period in the show would it, it would have been a bold manoeuvre um, to uh and I think Doctor Who could probably stand it perhaps more than Zed Cars, which considered itself very, uh, you know, which was which was, you know, gritty and down to earth and realistic and urban and, you know, uh, but then again, Doctor Who is, you know, I know it's for children, but it, it you know, it's ambitious and it, and it, and it has, uh, you know, you know, pretensions for you know space opera it, or, or, or you know serious historical. Well, it's a it's a weird hybrid of a show, isn't it? Because we've just had the Myth Makers, which is definitely deliberately funny. Um, that's the wonderful thing about the show is is that it, it, it can sustain being, you know, um, a, 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 a literary comedy, um, you know, with classical references one week and then a pulpy space adventure the next, and then within that pulpy space adventure. A interminable sequence uh, of a man talking about his house disappearing and it's his greenhouse and talking about the revels and it's Reg Pritchard who plays Bender here in the Crusade, um, which which uh, allows for a joke that is that Hartnell's doing now that is not in that is an addition to the rehearsal script. You can sort of see where they've taken bits out and they've added a with a different typewriter. Um, and so Hartnell or Camfield, because Camfield, Douglas Camfield would have cast Reg Pritchard. Somebody adds the sequence where Hartnell goes, I know you from somewhere. And he goes, where? A marketplace in Jaffa, because he played Bender here in uh, the Crusade. Um, so it's that's very much a, I mean, we I know we break the fourth wall at the end, but that is 
very much a meta Doctor Who's is it first meta joke. They're, they're very rare things. Um, uh, being uh, uh, and and I rather like that. I mean, uh, it's bizarre because I mean nobody had access to cast lists. Nobody would remember. And he was always he was he was you know had a beard and was was essentially blacked up in uh, and had a turban on in uh, in uh, the Crusade um, and, uh, and presumably was not uh, in uh, well man in Macintosh. Uh, uh, in in the Daleks master plan, and yet they throw that gag in. I, I I mean I don't know if that's madness, but I like it. It's brilliant. But 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 it's because it's the sort of thing that appeals to uh, somebody who reads cast lists and likes spotting people in things. But I'm I'm not sure in 1965 anybody was paying that close attention after several months but hey i'm i'm gives me something wonderful to talk about i love it reg pritchard and, and he was one of those actors that did you know crops up in doctor who twice in very quick succession and then I, you sort of go oh, i wonder whatever became of him and then he dies in 2013 and it's announced and you go oh, i wonder wonder what he was up to because nobody ever interviewed him i don't know if i don't know if my friend ben jolly wrote to him but you sort of do think oh uh, you know what 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 did what lives did these people have and why didn't we find them or and that's the same with a lot of the cast of this, actually, as we will discover when I run out of things to talk about and try and uh, 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 impress you with arcane facts. <laughs> but it's a terrible sequence because, of course, Terry Nation uh, was a writer of comedy, famously wrote, was writing for Tony Hancock before he got fired. Uh, real uh, kudos to... Uh, Peter Purvis here for his uh, Liverpudlian accent, which I think he, he really sustains very nicely and does well. And actually, I don't think any of the others are doing Liverpudlian accents. Jim Sankster, who will be listening. Hello, Jim. I adore you, even though I disagreed with something uh, that you said in, and when, I'm, when I was doing my last AMA. But we're allowed to disagree, aren't we? Um, uh, he may have missed that because he might not have listened. And now, because he's listened to this, he's now going to go and listen. <laughs> anyway, Jim, I adore Jim. Uh, he's a great cultural historian, uh, one builder of wonderful models, excellent guest on this, where he chose the Cave People episodes. Um, but Jim, Jim is also from Liverpool and knows a lot about different Scouse accents and will speak far more eloquently, um, albeit in a Scouse accent, <laughs> than I about um, Scouse accents and their de depictions on television and, and, and that the Scouse accent was bred from from various Lancastrian things all coming together and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so, and I think he, he said to me in a message the other day that Purvis is the only one doing a sort of proper Scouse accent uh, and the others are all doing sort of various different northern ones. Um, Clifford Earl, who plays the station sergeant, yeah, that's just a normal sort of. Yeah, that's just a normal sort of Lancastrian accent, isn't it? That Norma Mitchell's doing. Um, uh, Clifford Earl, who plays the station sergeant, better known as better known. No, no, he was really called Ken Earl, but he was one of the soldiers who was experimented upon at Porton Down uh, when a soldier died, actually. Um, and uh, Ken slash Clifford campaigned for the rest of his life to get justice uh, for those men who suffered terrible uh, health consequences and fallout as a result of that. Um, he pops up again. Cam Camfield casts him as a military man in uh, in the invasion as Major Branwell. Um, 
and uh, and a relative of Clifford's, Robert Faulkner. Faulkner. I don't know if he's a relative, but I think he might have been a relative or knew him. Um, who's the guard in Utopia? Said, "Oh, you should do Clifford Earl for Who's Round." I was like, "Absolutely." And then he went, "Oh, actually, he's just died." So I never got to the bottom of how how Robert knew him. Um, uh, but anyway, um, have a swinging time. I like that. That is, they're 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 actually they're they're a good. I mean, it's of a particular type that the, the two constables played by uh, Norman Mitchell. And the other one's Malcolm Rogers, who's Dracula in uh, in The Chase, still about a uh, long career. I saw him on stage in uh, in uh, the Crucible at Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. Still, you know, you know, 50 years in the business, working away. This is this is Ken Earl, Clifford Earl. Um, and uh, Ken Thorne, it's the inspector, isn't he? Um but I, th- but um, I, I like, yeah, I like the rather sweet exchange between Norman Mitchell and uh, and uh, uh, Sarah Kingdom, Gene Marsh, uh, and he says, "Go on, have a, have a swinging time." I think that's very sweet. Um, I there's a, there's a lot longer at the police station than I than I thought, um, which is no bad thing, um, because it gets very strange later on, or maybe it doesn't. Um, but it's it's this is so far so Christmas fair you know um, uh, a series of misunderstandings and, and and none of the danger is sort of life threatening it's all it's all very much of a caper um, which is fine they 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 b- b- brazenly paper over the the cliffhanger that was left last week and just go oh yeah it was. Um, uh, it's just it's it's the, it's the air's a bit mucky um don't come out unless you have to oh well we have to oh well there we go let's forget about it then um uh and even in the, the incidental music's getting in on the act uh and so the policeman watched the thing the tardis dematerialized did they have a reaction uh pres- there we go It's gone. Yeah, he's being he's not being scarce either. Uh, yeah, so um I was talking I missed that punchline, whatever Norman Mitchell said when uh, when it vanished, but um none of the punchlines are great in this, I have to say. It's it's well, it just goes to show and, and this is not to criticize because as time moves on, comedy tastes change and dare i say it comedy you know gets more sophisticated uh, but it just but but that said there is some comedy of course from the 60s that stands up brilliantly today i i don't think this does so uh, it's but you have to be careful judging comedy from the past for many reasons sometimes uh, for, for, for reasons of taste but sometimes for reasons of audience expectation and i'm certainly not a comedy snob um, I mean, I you know, I talk of Christmas comedy. I I find Mrs. Brown's Boys fairly hateful, but I would I would never. But it's extremely popular, and I would never criticise anybody that makes something that is watched by gazillions of people that people like an awful lot, um, just because I don't like it, um, uh, because it's a it's a it's a skill. However. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think this went down particularly well at the time, and it gets very loud from now on. Uh, the uh, 
the, uh, the 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 reconstruction is using the the face of Alan Butler Buller from uh, from Talons of Wang Chang with an added moustache uh, to stand in for Leonard Graham playing Darcy Tranton, who's the the baddie with the the buzz saw, um, threatening Blossom Lefebvre, played by Sheila Dunn, who better known as Sheila Camfield. So Douglas Camfield's got his wife. No, not better known. She's better known as Sheila Dunn. She was Sheila Camfield. She was. Douglas Camfield's wife. So the gag here is that uh, they've landed in a Hollywood studio, but they have mistaken uh, 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 an attempted murder by buzzsaw, a circular saw of Blossom Lefebvre uh, by Darcy Tranton. That's a good name, actually, for a moustache-twirling villain. And I do like... I'd forgotten about these, and so the hunt was on. I do like the silent movie captions. Again, if if the comedy is weak, which it sort of is here, uh, MJ Matthews here as as Charlie Chaplin, so they see Charlie Chaplin, which is quite funny. And I'd forgotten when I was talking about MJ Matthews being one of the... The delegates in episode three and Jack LeWhite is the other one. Jack Jack LeWhite's in this uh, as an extra as well. So those two extras from episode three are are here. Um, and we got this is where we get difficulties with some of the actors. David James as the Adam Shake, uh, as the Arab Shake, not the same as the uh, football uh, goalkeeper. Although, although sometimes um, historical research and scholarship with Doctor Who is. I'm, I'm surprised there isn't a website that claims that David James, the footballer, was in an episode of Doctor Who that was made probably before he was born. And Ingmar Knurpf here. That's the joke. He's he's not called Knopf. He's called Knurpf. That's that's the that's the joke that they do a lot. I seem to recall um, is you know is supposed to be this temperamental European shouty director, and you've got Steinberger P. Green here, played by Royston Tickner, and they yell at each other. There's a lot of yelling from now on. Uh, it's very difficult to to know quite what's going on, but the comedy is, I would say, not of the subtle dry aside variety. Um, it's been very well put together by Loose Cannon here, with the, considering the paucity of material available. Um, but Ingmar Knurpf is played by Mark Ross. So David James, Mark Ross, these are common words and names, and it, and it means we don't really know much about those actors, uh, sadly. Um, uh, and, and there's a high percentage of the actors in this who... Um, and I'd have included Leonard Graham amongst those, but then I remember thinking, oh, Leonard Graham really should look for him. And then suddenly his death was announced, I think, in the in the stage in 2000. And again, here's another one. You go, I wonder what he was he was doing. Theatre was his love, it says in uh, in uh, in his stage. It's just a death notice. It's not an obituary. Um, oh, and the assistant director is Conrad Monk. Now, I do know about Conrad Monk, who I hope is still alive. Uh Oh, there's Keystone Cops sequence here, which has been done very well in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the reconstruction. Um, uh, Conrad Monk was an actor who uh, just, just does this doc too. Does bits bits of Bob's Atelier in the sixties, but he then founded a shop uh, that started making doors and door knockers, uh, and he called co- and he called the shop Knobs and Knockers. <laughs> he set it up with another actor, I think a guy called Bob Jennings in the early 70s and knobs and knockers was a going concern
Is it? And I think that's him. I think that's that's Conrad Monk. I'm, I'm sure he plays the assistant director. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, and he's, so he had this shop called Dobbs and Knockers, and I think it was a chain. I think there was certainly more than more than one of them. And I believe he sold the business and became a multimillionaire. There are a few actors like that in Doctor. I, I think Tito from the Tenth Planet also became a multimillionaire from selling antiques and stuff like that. But I'll talk about him when I get to the Tenth Planet. But I love this idea that, and I think Conrad Monk might still be out there. Do you know him? If you do, put me in touch. I'd love to tell the story of somebody who's got one appearance in a very odd episode of Doctor who then, you know, and, and I, I think the fact he called his shop knob, knobs and knockers, uh, which is a better joke than any of the jokes in The Feast of Stephen. <laughs> but but Ingmar Knupp is quite a big part and he's this, you know, absurd uh, caricature of a European director, but um, don't know anything about Mark Ross who, who plays him. Um... But but Hartnell um, dives into this with great aplomb. To his credit, they all do actually. The the, the three regulars. Um, oh, Paula Topham as the vamp. Yeah, she was still in Spotlight in the eighties, I'm sure. Uh, but again, I don't know what. Don't know what became of her. Um, but uh, it's yeah. It I, I mean it's just a sea of noise, isn't it? It's really really tricky. Uh, to discern so what has happened to Stephen it's ironic that this is a play on words the feast of Stephen but of course Stephen is spelt with a v whereas I think the proper feast of Stephen is spelt with a ph considering um in I'm sure in Terry Nation's draft scripts for this he spells Stephen with a ph so he wouldn't have even been aware of the, the joke um a strange a strange man keep telling I mean that, that's gonna that, that, if you're in any doubt that doctor that we're watching a doctor episode from the olden days that that might that that, that might be a bit problematic Sarah's got the line I know some a man keep telling me to take my clothes off and the doctor says we've got to get out of here it's all full of Arabs uh, I, I mean uh, there we go that's yeah uh, the past is, is is another country where people who were from another country were played by white actors in uh, in, in problematic makeup. Um, um, from the from the pictures, we have a few pictures. They're not telesnaps, but there's there's one that I'm looking at right now, which is Blossom Lefevre with her mascara cascading down her face. And Robert, they were taken by Robert Jewell, who's the Dalek operator. Um, who has a week off being a Dalek operator and is is given uh, a, 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 a little character plot playing the clown. Um, he's credited as uh, being Crosby in some internet resources, but the, the gag is he's he's credited as the clown and he says within the dialogue that he's being Crosby. So um, uh, the chase was on. No, it's not. That was on last year. Um uh, he, he he said, escaping from the fact that I just got a little bit pedantic there about going, he shouldn't be credited as Bing Crosby on internet resources because his character is clown, even though he is Bing Crosby. Shut up, Toby. Um, and so here we have, yeah, Robert Robert Jewell, the Australian actor Robert Jewell, who was playing as only ever, um, you know, hidden in a Dalek costume. Later, he's a macro as well. Um, but but. Douglas Camfield, as he so often did, somebody that's either an extra or a small part player, or in Robert Jewell's case, uh, uh, a Dalek, 
uh, is given just a little moment uh, in the spotlight. And as a result, Robert Jewell got his camera out on Christmas Day and took invaluable uh, off-screen stills from... Uh, an episode that was never repeated, never sold. Uh, there have been now some photos that have turned up of uh, certainly of uh, Gene Marsh on the set because you can see the buzzsaw and the circular saw and the Hollywood studio set and some of it in, in the background. But but certainly the first photos and only visual record of Feast of Stephen that I saw for, for many, many years were these snatched photos that were shown in DWB but uh, and DWB was a very interesting because uh, it was quite tabloidy in the way that it presented itself and let's not get into the fact that they didn't like John Nathan Turner and stuff like that but they got these pictures off off Robert Jewell and said and this is amazing because these are photos taken off air and we got them from Australia and the episode was never shown in Australia now they knew that the episode was shown in England when the off-screen stills were taken and they were taken from that viewing, but don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. So then there's a little bit of us going, oh, but does that mean that it could exist somewhere in Australia? No. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I may have misremembered that, but I'm sure there was something in the article that sort of, you, you know, you know, didn't disclose the whole truth in order to make it seem a bit of a sexier proposition than it actually was. I may have misremembered that, but I don't know. Uh... But I don't think I have. <laughs> uh, now, uh, the 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 uh, the reconstruction has used pictures of William Hartnell from this sporting life to play Professor Webster, uh, who uh, the doctor is mistaken for, um, because uh, they they couldn't find anything else out about the actor Albert Barrington. And um, Gavin Rymel asked me if I knew anything about him, and I and I didn't. But then somebody else chimed in. I've forgotten who. And said that actually Barrington might well have been a, a neighbour of Camfield because Camfield uses him in his Z cars as well. But he doesn't seem to have any uh, a record with Equity uh, or with any actors' agent. He's never in any spotlight. So whilst Camfield will also you know promote extras, he also might have given his his mate uh, a job, um, which also makes him a bit of a union buster as well. Uh, but let's not get into that. A happy Christmas to all of you at home, says William Hartnell. Uh, sometimes claimed that that was a, an, a, an ad-lib that they could do nothing about. It was recorded on the 3rd of December. It was broadcast on the 25th of December. If they hadn't liked it, uh, they would have had plenty of opportunity uh, not, not to do anything with it. It's a big old cast for... Uh, seeing as last week we only had the Daleks, Marvik Chen and the regulars. Uh, oh, prop man! buddy Windrush uh, is Brian Mosley of course who was Alf Roberts in Coronation Street and turns up later in this story as Malfa um, but as Brian Mosley and Steve uh, Makin as the cameraman who is another one that I've not been able to find anything out about so it's a really interesting cast of regular old faces to curious people who had well I did look this is why I'm drawn to the actors there's always something to find out and because people are interesting there's always something interesting to find out well it interests me and if it doesn't interest you well you 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 knew what you came here for um i don't quite know what you came here for but i'm grateful that you did so the feast of stephen um so yeah and um and yeah hartnell breaking the fourth wall it's an inconvenient thing isn't it because it means that doctor who's knows he's being watched on the television but i have seen many different explanations for that um uh and you know and and 
Uh, it could be him flirting with the master of the land of fiction. It could be him uh, looking, knowing that somebody is watching on the space-time telegraph. Whatever you want. It's whatever you want it to be. I did get asked the other day in the AMA, uh, non-patrons, if uh, you are a patron, there's a monthly Ask Me Anything uh, where people ask me good questions and I drone on forever. And uh, it's one of the perks, apparently. Um, uh, whether Hartnell, you know, whether I liked Hartnell breaking the fourth wall and I, 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 I'm quite pleased with my answer in that um, I I hate the fact that he... Uh, I. I, I don't I don't like it, but I'm glad that he did it. I, I don't like it, but I'm glad that it exists in the canon of Doctor Who. So I, d I don't approve of it. I don't think it's right that the actor playing Doctor Who or indeed anybody should talk to the audience watching at home because that immediately says we're now in a fiction. But I'm glad as an, uh, and I don't mean this word loftily, but as an historian of Doctor Who, as somebody interested in the history of the show and the making of the show, uh, I'm glad that it is, exists as something we can talk about and get furious about and argue about and come up with theories about and have to wade through documentation about to see if Donald Tosh was right when he said that Hartnell just did it and they were all furious. That's not true. Um, and it's in the it is in the rehearsal script in that added type. Uh, as I say, Don, as I said, uh, no, no, I said, I said in the AMA, Donald Tosh always said, ah, oh, yeah, but that was because that was added to that to reflect what was actually done on the floor. No, 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 no. If they hadn't wanted it in, they they would easily have not had it in. Um, uh, and um, and Wiles was not averse to not letting Hartnell do what he wanted to do, as we will discover as as we go on. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a silly Christmas romp. Um, but I quite enjoyed chatting about it. But I remember when I listened to it, when I when I first got the soundtrack, listening to it, and it's just loads of yelling. I didn't even mention uh, much about Royston Tickner, did I, who turns up later? Because Michael Bryant's production assistant on this, Michael Bryant was good friends with uh, with Royston Tickner, who plays Mr. Robbins, the boatman, in episode one of The Sea Devils, uh, and was indeed a great uh, man of the sea, which is why he and Michael Bryant are friends, because uh, Mike, uh, Mike Bryant is a, is a great man of the sea. Um, I think I talk about Royston to, to, to Michael in my, my Who's Round. Um, uh, so, and he had a very interesting career that he and he dropped out of acting and I think he was a publican and a minor and you can see him playing both of those parts as well, uh, as well as being one in real life. Anyway, um, the, the episode stopped. I don't have to give you, I don't have to dazzle you with actor facts. Um, it's a funny old thing, the Feast of Stephen. I I worried I wouldn't have much to say, um, uh, and, and and it would be really interesting, wouldn't it, to see how the Keystone Cop sequence worked? Because you know, Canfield we think of as being an action director, but uh, uh, you know he's a good director. So um, you know, to go all out on an episode that's a caper, that's a bit meta, that's a bit daft. Uh, that's a bit pop will eat itself and all of that um, I think is a really really interesting prospect even though I think the scripted comedy is poor and some of that sort of playing of oh, oh, oh they've taken my greenhouse or, or whatever um, is, a, is a little bit sort of dated and of its time and by of its time I mean of the, of the lower end of the 
quality of comedy from the time because there's lots lots of 60s comedy that's great that really stands up today and i i don't think the feast of stephen is an example of that and nor would you expect it to be it's 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 a christmas day episode of doctor who it's not Galton simpson or or, or johnny spate or, or you know anybody from the from the 60s uh cop cream of comedy uh uh working to the doc two format now that would have been interesting if a nation had gone to his pals at associated london scripts and said a spike you know or uh, eric sykes or any of those people can can you do this week's doctor who just muck about so long as they so long as they start in somewhere where you can't breathe the air although actually you don't even need to worry about that uh, and it ends with doctor who wishing everyone happy christmas do what you like um, you could have a cast of thousands. I think Norman Mitchell's been seen up in the BBC bar. He's got nothing to do. Um, now that would have been interesting. Um, but I think I think the comedy in in a lot of that proves why Terry Nation was better off writing about ray guns and Daleks. Um, so, but I I quite enjoyed being there while that was on. <laughs> It's like many a Doctor Who Christmas special. You're trying to watch it and some git's talking all the way through it. I'm not usually the git. I'm usually the person getting annoyed. Um, what's my favourite thing about that? I, I'm i going to say the sort of meta elements. And I'm in danger of sounding very pretentious. That ship may well have sailed. I think that may, that may, that may have sailed and collided with uh, up your own being up your own iceberg as well. Um, I um, but but I I love the the you're in the marketplace in Jaffa joke just because it's mind boggling. But I'm really pleased it exists. But uh, because it doesn't work, it doesn't work for anybody there at the time. But it absolutely works for, for me. Who was born ten years after it was shown, and I'm, you know, and 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 you know, Doctor Who fans and and the, the, those people, many of you know, of whom there are a legion who exist now who didn't then, uh, and and wouldn't have been sort of conceived to do so, um, and but the silent movie captions as well, and the fact that it's got the. You know the, the 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 fact that they land in a in a movie set and they think it's a movie set and all all of and and the fact that it could almost have been uh, the Z cast cast you know I, yeah so I know I know I'm I'm eulogising things that didn't actually happen but just the whole quest to be a little bit and I suppose the Doctor wishing Happy Christmas is is part of that but as I say I don't I don't actually like that as a moment because it makes the whole fragile fiction of doctor who that has to be has to be held together because there's so many unbelievable things you have to sort of you have to make it real to 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 make it to to stop the whole house of cards from falling down and yet as i say i i i am interested in the fact that it exists that that it was let through uh, that you know whatever reason uh, you know whoever decided that that should happen and it, i suppose it could have been that hartnell insisted and they decided not to fight that battle on the rehearsal floor that afternoon and let it go so there might be an element of truth in what in what donald tosh was saying um who knows uh, and the fact that when Robert Jewell was snapping away, he actually got that moment as well, which I'm delighted about because it is a it is a key, interesting moment of Doctor Who. And despite the fact that it doesn't exist and, and it was unlikely to exist because it was it was junked so early and blah blah blah, blah 
that nonetheless that was the episode that was being photographed because there happened to be that actor who happened to never be have his face on screen uh, but this episode he was going to have it on so he decided to take some photos and even though he took most of the photos he took of his small bits he took some photos of the other bits as well um when you could say well he's just getting you know used to framing up so that when he came along but then he'd gone and he still took a couple more photos and one of those photos was of the moment the doctor who uh, raises his uh his uh, uh, glass to the screen to wish us happy uh, Christmas in that moment that is, you know, uh, is, is, is sort of famous, famously, you know, good, bad, controversial, whatever you want it to be. I, so I love all of that. I thought, I, I, and it's not an episode I would ever have said I liked, The Feast of Stephen, but just sitting here at two o'clock in the morning with Christmas gone and Christmas has come and gone and, that's another that's another Christmas out the way, and it's always a bit of an anticlimax. So I was a bit blue this morning when I woke up because Christmas comes, and you go, oh, but at least we got New Year. Then New Year goes, and I go, at least I've got my birthday, which is on the second of January, and then that goes, and then I go, oh, well, that's it for the rest of the year, then, isn't it? So I'm always a bit blue of this sort of week, the uh, post Christmas blues, uh, and actually it's been a nice little coda to a Christmas time that came and went all too quickly. So. Um, a merry rest of the year. Is it happy or is it? Does he say happy Christmas or merry? happy Christmas to all of you? He says happy Christmas. It's one of those blind spots that I have because I quite often I've, I present on the radio at this time of year and I always go, oh, I'll sign off by going. And, uh, and then I go, is it happy? Is it merry? Is it happy? It's a bit like me with Nightmare of On Eden or uh, um, whether it's the Sunmakers or the Sunmakers, um, which are things that I should know and and have but but just for some some how always contrived to just before i decide i know the answer scramble my brain but i think it's a happy it's a happy post christmas as i say if you're a non-patron you're probably listening to this in, i don't know april may june july um uh but look a happy any time of year i'm allowed to break the fourth wall and say happy times and places to all of you at home. Oh, hang on. I haven't <laughs> got so carried away with uh, doing a good out. And I was pleased with that, because sometimes you hear me straining to go, what's my sign-off? It's got to be something apposite and apt and perhaps a bit of wordplay. Oh, I strain at the bit. Um, I haven't actually done what I'm supposed to do, which is get the... get. Ian McLachlan's favourite bit. I've got the fact that it's all meta. Oh, I'm going to have to come up with a good exit now as well. Oh, oh well, at least you could tell it's live. It's not live. I could actually just muck about with it in the edit. But um, I try and keep the edit. It doesn't matter. What does Ian McLachlan like about the Christmas special episode, The Feast of Stephen? And let me come to The Feast of Stephen, the famous Christmas episode. I remember watching it i remember where i was when i watched it i remember feeling that it's it was different i was a bit disappointed there was no daleks in it but uh in typical doctor who fashion there was at least one strange thing in it and that was was not the doctor wishing everybody a home a happy christmas though i admit that that could have been uh, one of my uh, favorite scenes it was the reveal that the clown that you saw, played by Robert Jewell, who I knew had played the, uh, had been inside the Daleks uh, before, 
he was a clown, but he was going to change from being a clown to being a singer to being Bing Crosby. And that was uh, something that you didn't really expect. Even in the sort of flippant, more, more humorous Doctor Who episode, there was what a thread that runs through all Doctor Who is that it's not ever quite what you expect. There's a police box, but it's not a police box at all. It's a space-time machine. And there's other things that the ordinary becomes a slightly unusual. So that, I would say, would be my favourite moment on the Feast of Stephen. Actually, that's a great choice. And you see, I'm not seeing the wood for the trees. I was so 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 annoyed, not really annoyed, but that Robert Jewell played Bing Crosby in the Daleks' master plan, as you might see online. I don't know if you'd even do see that online, but I'm sure you do. Um, whereas it's it's better if he is, if, if, if you come to it and he's clown, uh, because then, yes, the end of the gag is uh, he's going to be- become Bing Crosby. And that's lovely because it, it, it then it then defers a bit of grandeur onto funny old Doctor because it's got Bing Crosby in it and it's a nice little reveal. Um, and Ian's very cleverly tied it in with with other elements of Doctor Who where something that seems quite ordinary is something extraordinary. And uh, and the Bing Crosby gag and it, it is actually one of the nicer gags because it's not really a joke. It's just a, it's just a sweet moment actually. Um, but I like Ian tying it in with yeah something ordinary actually being something a bit more special um uh and yes of course because and i forgot because chaplin's in it uh i didn't forget bing crosby was in it but uh, i i I sort of saw it as the same thing but actually chaplin i think is just a visual gag isn't he when the the actor comes out and and waddles off i once i once auditioned to play charlie chaplin in an advert uh and uh my friend steve royal who's since gone on to do brilliantly on uh, britain's got talent he turned up as well and he's got a bit more He's got the hey. He, he, I thought Steve stood a bit more of a chance just because he looked a bit, bit more like Chaplin, and that's fine because you go, oh, well, a mate will get it. And then we were both chatting, and I know oh, you've got this mate. You look much. And then a floke walked in dressed as Charlie Chaplin, and we both just looked at each other and went, "Why did we even come?" <laughs> so I, I hope that MJ Matthews, um, when he auditioned, he won't have auditioned. It will just come through an extras agency. But um, yeah, I wonder if he took the Chaplin costume with him. Um, so there we go. Well, uh, 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 that's the end of the feast of Stephen, and um, so I'm going to now go and have the uh, the uh, Gaviscon of Stephen because uh, I've probably overindulged. That's nothing like as good as a payoff as the one I did before. But there we go. Uh, thanks very much for listening slash watching, uh, and I will see you. Uh, in a volcano, uh, which you'll definitely need some uh, Gaviscon to cool down the fires of that. Um, and volcano, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit nervous about that one. Okay, till next time. Bye. Well, ding dong merrily on happy times and places, which was presented by me, Toby Haydoke. My special guest is Ian K. McLachlan. I would very much like to thank the patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include Christopher Joyce, Judith Jackson, William Keith, Matthew Kilburn, 
Andy Kitching, Hendrik Korzeniowski, Andrew Lester, Andrew Llewellyn, Jakob Lumley, Nate Lynch, Daryl McLean, Philip Marsh, Glenn McLeod, Pip Maidley, Steve Manfred, Nick Mellish, James Miller, Justin E. Monaghan, Chris Murphy, Tom Neenan, Jeremiah O'Connor, Mark Trevor Owen, Russell Parker, Phil Pascoe, Richard Patey, Ken Patterson, Thomas Payne, John Pettigrew, Nord Prefect, Liam Price, Quaridors, Rachel T.S., Peter Reed, and Paula Reynolds. The music for these podcasts is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. If you would like to join that list of patrons, you could do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. Oh my goodness, what waits for you there? Well, probably another four months worth of releases. So, you know, if you're not a patron, what you're listening to in four months' time is available right now and everything between uh, then and now as well. So a lot of extra material um, that you get much, much earlier. uh, And there's also exclusive material uh, and, you know, sort of special access, if you like. I mean, you know, just in terms of sort of chat and questions and AMA and little funny little bits of bobs. I mean, there's no, you know, no, I was going to say no physical access there, but that, that... I think you get the drift. I don't think I need. I don't think I need to stipulate how close you're allowed to get for threepence. Well, it's three pounds. Three pounds a month is the lowest tier. It goes right up. You, I mean, you can't. You know, there's, there's no limit. <laughs> uh, but you can even get a discount on the three pounds a month if you uh, go for a year in one go when you get ten percent off. Uh, so that's at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. Those of you who don't fancy the monthly commitment can do one-off donations at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. If you, you know, have an episode that you particularly like or if I sound particularly needy during one of them. Thank you so much. And I know that times are tough, uh, but what costs you absolutely nothing is to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and to give these five stars five stars really helps to separate us from the crowd say us sounds like there's a team (laughs) work beavering away making these it's just me can you tell yeah um but uh so uh yeah five stars and a couple of lines of review um which really helps to you know polish our algorithms make uh, make them fire on all cylinders do algorithms have cylinders i don't know but just do that that'd be nice uh they've stalled a bit recently so if you uh, if you haven't yet rated these on uh, on itunes if you please can but five stars please and a couple of lovely lines of review really really help and also come to my comedy club excess malarkey every tuesday at 8 p.m in manchester and it's monthly on the first sunday of every month twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey actually trying to time these to the music have the music tracks laid at various intervals and there i could see it coming and i said i said excess malarkey just as the music kicked in so i'm very proud of that but you can't see that achievement unless i unless i talk you through it which i just have uh so there we go so this episode won't be out anywhere near christmas which seems a shame i'm not very good at planning things but um uh whenever you're listening to this i hope you're having a merry one at home and what I'm going to claim in years and years to come is that it would never be planned that I said what I just said now. And then I did it at the last minute and nobody could do anything to stop me. And oh, and we'll, we'll start another myth uh, surrounding sign-offs. 
uh, to do with the Feast of Stephen. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm actually in that uh, sort of post-Christmas, as I record these sort of outros and stuff, uh, in the sort of post-Christmas lull. It's a reminder. January can be sort of dark, and you feel like it's a bit of a sense of anticlimax, isn't there? That you've got to sort of start the year from scratch. So um, I'm doing that whilst looking at the matchmakers that never got opened over Christmas and thinking, well, somebody's got to eat them. And sure, my partner isn't actually allowed any refined sugar, uh, and nor is the dog. So um, it's going to be me, isn't it? Uh, so uh, uh, I, I suspect this uh, this old stomach of mine won't be wearing a bit thin for quite a while. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. Um, that was the Feast of Stephen. Not a sign, not, not a sign of Good King Wenceslas. That was their Mister Trick there, didn't they? <laughs>